This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph. The only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. On this episode, United's European adventure begins and Gary Boyer's racking up the Dundee wins. Hello and welcome to Twa Teams One Street. Um, people listening will have guessed already that I'm not Tom Duthie, so you're stuck with me, George Cran, in the hot seat today. I think uh, Tam must have had a, a better offer somewhere. Uh, I don't know if he's sunbathing in his garden or he's just having a lie-in. He'll be away on one of his yeah. weekly holidays. <laughs> you don't know what these retired types get up to, you know. That's Some life. <laughs> I think Tam would say any offer's a better offer. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, in case you, you haven't guessed, it's the usual crew, aside from Tam, podcasting with me today, so I'm joined by Alan Temple. Hello. And Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. And there's always plenty to talk about Uh to our team to one street but we'll, we'll kick off with Dundee United there's been a bit going on um, obviously made a new signing got the excitement of the European draw but Alan you've you were, you were missing last week or you're off in Spain for United's pre-season trip I mean how, how did that go? Yeah it was a good trip and I think can speak for the, the players in that regard as well it was a um, a decent workout in what we are suffocating temperatures although having said that I was going to say how did it compare to this week <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I think it was technically cooler than it was uh, here this week but the one thing you don't get over the you don't get any sort of a breath it's very humid mm. um, uh, but it was it was interesting as well to get along to one of uh, Jack's training sessions we did a bit of filming out there and as anyone will know when you've watched a, a top flight team train it's just a different world from yeah. what any of us have maybe been used to and and you know Sunday League or you know playing amateur level it was you know really high intensity stuff got to see a little bit more shape work in terms of the way Jack maybe wants his team to play um a little bit more expansive bit of focus on the the 4231 I feel like I'm not telling tails out of school now that he's lined up against Sunderland with, mm. with that formation so uh, that was really interesting You got, and it'll all help in terms of the conditioning that you get from that trip be absolutely fantastic and also an element of bonding, I know Dylan Levitt was there beforehand but obviously Stephen Fletcher's a new face, Craig Sibbald's a new face so that, that all helps and although it wasn't the result that they would have liked against Sunderland, against a decent you know I know they're new to the championship, but you would expect them to come up and be competitive, fairly sharpish. So against a good side, they held their own for much of the game, bar two pretty ludicrous goals to concede. <laughs> I was, was going to say that. I mean, they did score a, score a good goal. So Our man in Tangerine scored a very good goal. Remarkable. Yeah. I mean, if you are going to score one of the most comically ridiculous goals of the season, then do it in pre-season, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Um I, feel, I really feel sorry for the goalkeeper. Just, you could see the the absolute terror in the, in the in the way he's running back. I know it's the ball. it's one of those so. where I still think if you're going to apportion the blame, you apportion slightly more to Charlie because um, as as he <laughs> as he doesn't need to be told at this stage in his career, you don't just leather a ball with your bad foot blind back towards your own goal. I mean, first of all, you you're not supposed to play. play back passes between the sticks. I mean, 
Bear will tell you that he was a he was a goalie. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a bloody, bloody good finish. <laughs> it was Anyone who's hit a ball for the half line will know just how difficult it is yeah. to put it into an empty yeah. net. So well done, Charlie. <laughs> but it was one of those where, and although I would have portioned more, but I do wonder about the goalie's position was odd. Yeah. Like I get understand that you come high up because Jack wants to press a little bit higher up the pitch, so the goalie's starting position is a little bit higher. But and again, Bear will know this much better than me but if the ball's over in the right back yeah. position fair enough you can be out your goal but you should be slightly more towards the right Ericsson was high and left which yeah. is why there was such a big area to to I was going to say aim clearly Charlie didn't aim for it <laughs> but it's why there was such a big area for the ball to go into so it was a, it was a strange goal and there's a bit of blame to go around but Ericsson was at fault for the first Sunderland goal he came out mm. and flapped it across and that again loath to read too much into behind closed doors friendlies but over in Spain watching him against Port Vale he flapped a couple of crosses against Port Vale as well and I think due to his stature and maybe coming from a different style of football I think perhaps that's the element of the game that we are now seeing why perhaps Ericsson wasn't given a chance last season mm. and going forward I think we can safely say that Mark Birigiti will be Dundee United's number one well, that brings us, brings us on perfectly. It's like we planned some sort of segue there. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, Mark Birigiti is, is signing has been confirmed just this morning as we're recording on Thursday. He's arrived then, George. Did he, did he get the boat from Australia? <laughs> it's taken take a while. Taking a while to go over here. <laughs> I, think that, I think there's more red tape and stuff these yeah. days, but uh, the signing is done. It looks like they've got a good one. What's your early indications, Alan? Yeah, he's got good pedigree, really, really good pedigree. Um, he's a goalkeeper, 31, really good age. Um, coming into the prime of his career, he's won A-League goalkeeper of the season for the last two campaigns, so there is no debating whatsoever that Dundee United have signed the best goalkeeper currently playing in the A-League, which, as we've seen from some of the guys that have come over to these shores, you know, uh, guys like Cammy Devlin and, you know, Hearts have signed Kai Rolls, uh, you know, some good players over there and, and he does certainly seem to be one of them. He shouldn't have to acclimatise too much because, you know, although he didn't play at Swansea, he's been over, had that experience of training at that level. He's played for NAC Breda and the Eredivisie and he's got, you know, nigh on... You know, well more than 200 senior appearances under his belt and he's been capped for Australia so mm. he's a he's a player with pedigree he's got a bit more stature than for example uh, uh, Ericsson so you never quite know and we're not going to sit here and pretend to watch A-League every single yeah. week but however on paper and certainly from all the noises that we're hearing he, he seems to be a, a solid signing and another one that um, they've they had to get in, you know, because you couldn't sit around and wait for Xander Clark forever. So yeah. it's it's important that they've moved swiftly when it became apparent that that was unlikely to happen um, and got somebody in because the clock is ticking now. Mm -hmm. And uh, Bear, it was essential that United, as Alan said, made a move because it's Seagrass was such a big part of the, the team and there's big, big gloves to fill, aren't there? There are. And, and it's going to be very important for Birgitti to go off to a good start. I always felt that, although I was moving at a different level in junior football, and I didn't move about that much, I've got to say, but w whenever I went to a new club, the most important thing was get through the first six games without making any clangers, <laughs> George. Not making, not having fantastic games, Alan, not being the star of the show, mm. but just getting through them without making any real mistakes. Um, I think it's unfortunate for Ericsson. He seems to have been waiting for his chance and has come in and 
there have been rumours that he hasn't really been up to, up to the mark and that, you know, when you make a mistake in front of the home fans at mm. Tardis, that doesn't help your cause whatsoever. So, yeah, I'm sure Jack's delighted to get a, a guy of uh, Barragui's standing in. Um, our A-League expert, Tom Dutty, isn't here today. He could have given us a bit more info, but... I, said, yeah. I think he's sitting in his bed watching the A-League. I think that's yeah. the <laughs> See if there's any more out there. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just getting off to a good start and, and getting... You've said the sign has been completed today. Uh, I, I take it that that's all the paperwork's in place and everything, and he can now... A bear because he's been yeah. pictured at Tanner yeah, for the shot. Then, so so, yeah. so Still uh, need a work permit right, before he can before play. He can so play, but that, does, that does concern me slightly okay, yeah, these yeah. days. Australian, Australian though, there should yeah. be. Yeah. He's, he's got an Italian passport, so yeah, you would yeah. hope that he, that kind of greases the wheel slightly, but... And it, it, is his wife not from the UK? Is, yeah, so that, yeah. All these things should be positive, but with as we've seen with a few clubs yeah, in Scotland just, this season, see until work permits are done, and in Brexit Britain, yeah. I'm, you know, yeah. it's, it's one that you're you're just waiting for that paper to drop. Yeah, the good thing is you'll be you'll be working uh, behind the scenes at training with the, with the rest of the squad. Well, I don't, I don't know if is that allowed to do that. I don't think you're allowed to do that. I don't. I don't, I don't think so, we no. could. I don't think we, we, we could, can't. We can't say that. Exactly. I was going to say I don't think we could possibly suggest that such a thing was happening. But <laughs> hey, you never yeah, know what goes on behind closed doors. Well, some, somebody looked very like him. <laughs> yeah, when people are people are on holiday. They could play a bit of football. I think. Uh, I'm not sure they're allowed to work no. in inverted commas, but yeah. <laughs> I think he might be around. Somehow. Of course, he's not. He's yeah. not there until that work permit comes through. We'll make exactly. that crystal clear. But talking about paperwork and uh, passports and all that, I mean, the excitement has started in terms of the European adventure. We've, we know who, or well, we know either or which team uh, United will be facing in, in the Europa Conference League. It'll, it'll be AZ Alkmaar. Obviously, a, a big name in Holland, or a slightly lesser known name, as in a team that I'd never heard of, I have mm. to admit, uh, from Bosnia, Tuzla City. Uh, they're they're playing their first leg tonight. We're recording on Thursday, as I said. So we'll, we'll wait and see uh, who comes out on top. Expecting the EZ, I think, to to be too strong for the Bosnians. But I mean, what do you make of the draw? You, you've done all the background and stuff, Alan. Judging by the amount of United fans that have already booked their flights and hotels for <laughs> Holland. I think you can yeah. safely say they are also expecting uh, Azed Alkmaar to go through. Um, yeah, Tuzla City, I think, is a fascinating one. I mean, by the time you listen to this, they could have lost 6 0, so, you know, take this all with a pinch of salt. But their trajectory's been fascinating. They were only promoted to the top flight in 2018, solidified in 10th, then 6th, then finished 2nd, now in their first season in Europe. And you can only beat what's in front of you. They put an 8-0 aggregate score past Trepenny of, of San Marino. So I'd be fascinated to know if they are one of these European sides that have, you know, got a little bit of backing recently and are mm. uh, actually a lot more tidy than one might expect. I mean, I, I did quite, you know, because there was obviously four options in terms of who Dundee United could have drawn, looked into... A, a few um, different permutations in terms of the teams they could have got and, and research and stuff, you know, you stumbled across Feyenoord nearly going out of Europe last season against a team from Kosovo. Mm. Um, Knight took a 90th minute for them to go through. So you do find that in this part of the world, we might not know them, but there will be some technically gifted interest in footballers. But having said that, you would expect the quality of Azed Alkmaar to shine through and looking at some of their, their players, they've got some super 
players that we've got a striker Pavlidis who scored a hat full of goals last season midfielder Jesper Carlson 16 goals 14 assists these guys are operating at a really really high level it's a club with European pedigree and spending money as well aren't they? they're spending they're yeah. spending money on players There's, I think they've just signed somebody from Sassuolo for three and a half million pounds yeah. so these yeah. are all it's a top quality side that if they go through as we would expect they should be beating Dundee United. 99 mm -hmm. times out of 100, they should be beating Dundee United. But what it does do after a decade away from Europe is it does it gives Dundee United fans a, a superb away trip to look forward to. It's a 30-minute train ride from Amsterdam. So base yourself in Alkmaar, base yourself in Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. Do what you like. It's going to be an absolutely fantastic trip. And oh, back in the day, what did they take? Maybe 800 to Greece, I think, last time. Mm -hmm. So you would be looking at, depending on how many tickets they get, and I think it's a 19,000-seater stadium, so Alkmaar would only be mandated to give about 1,000. But if they maybe don't think they're going to sell out their entire stadium, they might bump that up slightly. So if Dundee United could get, for example, 1,300, 1,500 tickets, you know, I wouldn't put it past them to actually mm. sell them because mm. it's a load of prices are rocketing as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, there are many trains, planes, and automobiles ways to get to across to Alkmaar. So mm -hmm. um, I would expect it to be a great following. But whether or not they can go through, it's about as tough as it could possibly have been. Yeah, it's it, there will be underdogs uh, if it is AZ. I have to throw that in, uh, but bear it as Alan going to mention that the fans are going to enjoy it no matter what aren't they oh absolutely it'll be they'll have a ball um, <laughs> you know they're, they're putting all their beds on Alkmaar uh, bets on Alkmaar getting through obviously and I think Alkmaar well it, even if they don't get through they'll yeah, have a so, nice, well, nice exactly, night in Amsterdam so. you have that fallback yeah. of course you do yeah absolutely Alkmaar sounds to me like a team who are, are not only planning on getting through that sort of preliminary stage that they look as though they're, they're, they're trying to get to the group stages where, where, where they're going to get a return for spending that sort of money on players, Alan, you know, so that that tells you the sort of, the level uh, uh, they're operating at, but you just never know, mm -hmm. you just never know at this stage, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't write off Tuzzler, we don't, we don't know a lot about them, obviously you've done a bit of background into it, the good thing for me working in more in production these days is, it's a nice easy name to spell, <laughs> Tuzzler City, because you can get some horror stories in Europe, you know, at these early, early stages, so... Um, yeah, I think everybody everybody will will believe that uh, Alkmaar will, will see it through over over the two legs, and for the Dundee United fans, you have already uh, booked flights and accommodation. Let's hope that's the case. I did see a couple of supporters that quite cleverly had stuck twenty quid on Tuzla to go through because I think you were getting about eighteen oh, to right, one yeah. on Fair Tuzla enough. to go through. That so is. basically, if Tuzla go through, Hitching you your make best. your you yeah. make your money back. Yeah, that's so a good, that's a good show, actually. Yeah. Not that not that you're encouraging anyone oh. to gamble in these straight in times, <laughs> yeah. but it did uh, it did amuse me as some quite clever lateral thinking. Yeah, that's, that's that's pretty good. Um, but the first leg, obviously, at Tannadice, I mean, it's it's going to be some night. Yeah, you'd expect United back in Europe for yeah, such a long time, and and great, great for great for the club, great for the city as well. I've got to say, European nights are always fantastic. Yeah. Obviously, there's been more more at Tannis than at Dens over the years, but you know, you you can imagine United United will go close to selling it out. I would I would think. I would, yeah, you know, and so. obviously that's all revenue for the club as well, of course. But just great anticipation and. and you know, you always think back to some of the great nights in European football when obviously the, the European Cup ties, the UEFA Cup ties 
obviously they were starting more in sort of September, October, November when there's far fewer teams involved mm-hmm. and you only have so many rounds to play. But the atmosphere under the lights is, is terrific and it's a great opportunity. I think if it's, if it's Alkmaar to, to get through, obviously we know a bit more about them and the pedigree they, they've had, especially in Europe over over the recent recent past. You know, United fans will still fancy their chances of, of, of getting there and it's a real sort of incentive for them. They will go into the tie as underdogs and I think that would be a good place to start off from. Mm. Um, but in, in general terms, just what it, what it does, and I'm sure Alkmaar will bring uh, Alkmaar, well, if, if it is them, and even Tuzla, if they manage to get through, I mean, travel is so easy across Europe nowadays. Um, we bring a, a, a sprinkling of support as well. So just fantastic nights to be involved in, George. Yeah. And uh, Jack Ross actually, reading your stuff, Alan was saying the, a short trip to, to Holland is it'd be pretty handy in terms of kind of sort of getting his team ready. But he's also saying that he's looking to get. Uh, well, quite a few new faces actually to, to bolster that squad before before we get stuck into the proper the ball comes out basically. Yeah, I think Jack's been fairly uh, candid in needing bodies in. He's quite a quite a not what to say reserved, quite a, a, a thoughtful guy in the literal sense of the word. In terms of when he when he speaks, he tends not to say things that he doesn't absolutely mean. He's quite a clever clever guy. So, and and Jack Ross speak his comments when he said, you know, we've been patient, but now we need bodies in. That's the equivalent of a more outspoken manager having an absolute blast. So uh, it's, <laughs> it's not uh, quite Antonio Conte. Exactly, but, exactly. Yeah. But so it would be fair to say that. Jack's now in a. It's see he's in a comparable situation to, for example, last season at Hibs when he made it quite clear that he wanted defensive reinforcements in, didn't get it quick enough. They got hammered by Rijeka and Europe. So, I think having learned certain lessons from Europe and from, from the early stage of the league when perhaps the team, his Hibs team last season, weren't quite where they wanted it to be, he just wouldn't want those mistakes to to happen again. It's a difficult market and. Dundee United, to their credit, are going for high-level targets. They're getting, you know, Stephen Fletcher, Dylan Levitt, Mark Birigiti, to a lesser extent, although I, I like him as a player, but not quite the same stardust, a Craig Sibbled. So they're bringing in good players, to which the Dundee United and the recruitment team deserve credit, but I think you can look at pretty much every area of the pitch mm. and say Dundee United need another body. Against Sunderland, Stephen Fletcher wasn't fit, and Dundee United had to play 16-year-old Rory McLeod up front. See if when you have one injury, you're having to put in a 16-year-old to replace that person. Your squad isn't right yet. So they need another striker to give themselves an option as a focal point if Stephen Fletcher isn't available because he can't play 45 games a season. The man's 35. And they need another body on the wing. I still think they could do a creative midfielder. That would probably need to be the same person. In in budget terms, for example, you look at a Jamie McGrath who could play attacking midfield and the wing. That would be a, a sensible. Even this week, they've been linked with a Glenn Middleton type. He also mm. fits into that. Is the McGrath thing still still alive? There's not been much. The problem is he's flying in preseason. Is I mean, right, that's yeah. uh, you know, it's we can all you know readers will see things in newspapers and they'll go, "Well, you said that might happen, and that's not happened." Well, <laughs> the world changes, yeah. and yeah. see at the beginning of this transfer window, Jamie McGrath had been a forgotten man at Wigan and was a reasonable target for both Dundee United and Aberdeen. We're now in a position where Jamie, to his credit, has clearly knuckled down and said, you know what, I'm going to impress the manager down yeah. here. And he's playing regularly in pre-season. So that's given 
Wigan, food for thought. Now, if they sign a couple of targets that they're after, then perhaps that moves on again and things change mm. again. But for the moment, with the squad that Wigan have, Jamie McGrath's making himself, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a potential uh, starter for them. So that complicates things. And Dundee United will have other targets that perhaps aren't quite far enough down the line for us to be suggesting that they'll be, you know, imminently incoming. But yeah, it has to be said that you wouldn't be as confident now, given Jamie's. Uh, Jamie McGrath's performances in pre-season that he would be heading anywhere, let alone mm-hmm. Dundee United. And what's I, I guess is, is what's kind of exacerbated things in terms of squad depth. There is that new signings Don Levitt, Stephen Fletcher both been injured. Cal Butcher's gone to to join uh, Burton Albion. So mm-hmm. I think they lost quite a few players well, in the last season. Yeah, I think the Butcher I think Wall felt felt was going to happen yeah. eventually. Um, it's unfortunate that. Dylan Levitt has an injury. Hopefully that, that's minor. Um, Stephen Fletcher, I've got to say, has a history of injuries. And, and now I, I hope that I'm not jinxing him here, but hopefully he can play more games than he does. And that's why, as Alan's already alluded to, Stephen Fletcher won't be playing 40 games for Dundee mm. next season. He'll have to manage his, his way through the season. There'll be times where he's either physically needs a rest or he, he has picked up a minor strain, which he, he doesn't want to do any real damage. that keeps him out for months. So, yeah, Jack Ross needs players, there's absolutely uh, no doubt about it. I was quite surprised when he when he mentioned the actual volume of players he needs, five, I think he said, Alan, I'm not sure if the board would have been aware of that. <laughs> yeah. that, that might have been an eye-opener for them as well, because they've got the fund that they have. You know, they've, they've dug deep to, to, deep to bring in some of the players they've already brought in. Uh, and I, Alan says about Jamie McGrath, I mean, obviously Jamie McGrath's out the picture down at Wigan to begin with when United are starting sniffing about and then suddenly he's come on strong. Now, there's two things. One, it maybe says to, to Wigan, he can do a job for us here. But two, if he's moving on, Price he's, move, he's yeah. moving on for a lot more than he mm. was a couple of months ago. That's, yeah. you know, so that's the difficult position that United are in at this point. But yeah, I think it was more the volume of players that when, when, when as... Uh, Alan said when when Jack said it was five, I thought that's 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 quite a lot because he's already brought in four, mm-hmm. so that's like nine new players. And I know that I know as you said, you've got to play sixteen year old. There's something there, but that's one area. I mean, where does that leave all the rest of the guys who were playing last season? Dunn United, aren't Manchester City, where they've got to have two players for every single position mm-hmm. that can go on and do a job on the park. Sometimes you've just got to go with it. The, the 17 or 18 guys you've got and hopefully you avoid injuries as well but you have the quality within that 17 or 18 to know they will be able to do a job and time is marching on as well I mean we're, what date's today Thursday the whatever but a week on Saturday the, the league yeah. starts and then you got the European game on, straight on the back of that so we're kind of if you're getting new players in maybe at the start of next week they're only in the building a couple of days and then you're you're into the season yeah, they're, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that Dundee United are slightly behind schedule from where they would like to be uh, from a managerial perspective, certainly, because you want to get your ideas across to a squad long before four or five days before the mm-hmm. start of the competitive season. So I don't think if they can get Stephen Fletcher fit and there's a hope that um, Dylan Levitt will play against Fleetwood Town this weekend, Craig Sibold's a good addition. Got a new number one goalkeeper. Hopefully he gets a work permit. You then see a, a starting 11 mm-hmm. shape up. So uh, kind of, I would like, I don't think Ilmari Niskanen is a, is a right winger, for example. So I would like to see somebody um, 
that would perhaps allow him to play more over to the left, but then Tony Watt likes coming in off the left. All these are issues, but I would like to see a more natural right winger in there. But beyond that, you look at the starting 11 and you go, that's a decent 11. The problem comes with there being very little beyond that, mm -hmm. um, which there is a little bit more time to sort. You know, they, I think there's now an acceptance that there will be certain aspects of the recruitment that goes to the wire, that goes to, you know, towards more towards the deadline day. But I think another at least another one or two outfield players ahead of uh, that season opener against Kilmarnock uh, would be beneficial because I think they'll have a solid United will have a solid enough starting 11 out there but going to rugby park you also need a couple of options to change it you know yeah. you need to be you know you need to have 14 15 players that you are capable of uh, that you're confident, sorry, that are capable of winning a Premiership match mm -hmm. heading into that one. And I think at the moment, Jack's probably looking at about, you know, 12 or 13 players that he was like, that he would think, do you know what, they are top yeah. five Scottish Premiership footballers. You've also got on top of that, you've got, you're playing Saturday, Thursday, Sunday, yeah. Thursday, Sunday. You need depth. Yeah. Yeah, you need depth, you need legs, you need energy. Because uh, it is... It is grueling. That's something that Jack's spoken about uh, on and off the record to, uh, with us, that it was an eye-opener in terms of playing European football uh, last time for the first time in his managerial career with Hibs. Um, it's not just tactically challenging, uh, it exerts you in terms of fitness and conditioning. There's also logistical issues. Travelling. Like, you know, travelling, particularly now, it's hellish. You know, and a club, <laughs> clubs like Hibs, clubs like Dundee United, they're not hiring private planes to land you know whenever suits themselves so it's these things are all challenging and it all saps energy you need to have different plans you need to have different strategies you need to be tactically flexible so all that requires bodies and ideally it requires you to have had time with those bodies mm. to give them an idea in terms of how you want to play and a couple of different strategies for when perhaps you play opposition that surprise you or you're not so familiar with for example, you know, and, and as Ed Alkmaar. And just to finish up the the United section, their final friendly of pre-season, Saturday at Fleetwood Town, I, I think uh, travelling fans might have a good weekend, I think, down there. It seems like a good, decent away trip. Uh, we may see them in their new, new home kit, sorry. What are we making of... Have you seen it, Bear? You're looking. The, the kit, the they've home. got a new home kit. It's looking a bit retro. They've tried to look. Yeah, like I, 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 the I, I, they have worn it already, haven't they? Did they wear it? Did they, yeah, they wore it against yeah, the, Sunderland. Yeah. It looks. It looks very. It looks very good it, in the flesh. Because I wasn't quite sure. Not, I wasn't 100 yeah, percent sure either. Ever, look, let's be honest. I'm never ever going to say <laughs> I like a Dundee United shirt. But yeah, as a throwback to, I, I remember the badge certainly brings yeah. mine, you know, and the sort of embroidered DUFC on it. And yeah, it's, I'm sure it'll be a winner with the fans. But as I always say, George, it's, it's not so the wrong colour, is it? It's not the strip that always worries me. It's what's in the strip <laughs> I'm more concerned about. Have to say. I remember I was looking at the, you know, the little Macron chevrons down yeah. the arms and the fact that the sponsors black, white, gold, you know, which I thought kind of takes away from the, the retro vibe. But then yeah. up from watching it in the Tannadice press box, looking down, it's really, Decent. really smart in the flesh. Right, yeah, yeah. It's one of those that actually mm -hmm. looks class on the pitch. So um, 
But on the on yeah, I think there's eleven thousand. Uh, sorry, eleven thousand, eleven hundred <laughs> uh, traveling down to Fleetwood. So You're I think taking um, over the stadium. Uh, so I think. Um, <laughs> Yeah, a, a, a quiet weekend in Blackpool seems to be on the cards for, for Dundee <laughs> yeah. United fans. Uh, yeah, so we wish everybody who's going down to that uh, well and have enjoy yourselves. Uh, that'll be enough in terms of United. Uh, we'll nip across the road and see how Dundee are getting on. Dundee don't get the, the joys of heading to... Holland or Bosnia or Spain or Fleetwood or Fleetwood. As <laughs> uh, poor football writers, we get the trips to Stranraer um, or Stenhouse Muir, uh, where they're playing Queens Park on Tuesday. But as I've said previously on the on this podcast, I'll take competitive football over friendlies any day. Um, Dundee have started the season as, as well as the probably have expected with three wins from three two three nils and a two one that hard fought in the end against queen's park but they, they could have won more convincingly what have you made of things so far under gary bowyer bear it's been a good start i think um you know a lot of fans were skeptical when he when he was appointed because uh, as far as we're aware he wasn't the, the first choice hmm. i think a lot of fans were aware of that and you know they weren't sure of him but you know he's, he's got himself off to a, a really good start you're talking about competitive games and I think that's one thing that's one thing you could say about the, the Premier Sports Cup and the way it's set up it gives you competitive games instantly you know we're talking just, just to go back to Dungeon United Dungeon United don't have competitive games until that period they start off with and that's when you you pick up injuries because you're playing so many mm. games over a short period now players and friendlies know how far they can stretch themselves and don't get me wrong, I mean, friendlies can sometimes be feisty affairs and they'll put tackles in, but players know when to, you know, just tone it down a little. Mm-hmm. When you've got a competitive game, doesn't matter if it's a league game or the Premier Sports Cup game if you're playing against lower division opposition, you know, you're getting wired in right from the word go. And, and these games well, have been really beneficial to Dundee and to the manager as well. He's been able to look at his full squad. What, what I don't agree with is the way they've, they've, they've done them this season, that they've not regionalised them. That's That's madness. Having a club like Dundee going down to Strand Rand, places like that, I mean, they should really be set up and, and regional so that clubs like Dundee can go to Forfar and can go to break mm. in. And these clubs get bit, bit the benefit of that as well, you know. But, you know, having clubs away up in the Highland League travelling away down south, it's, I don't know why they changed that. But anyway, going back to Dundee and the, and the way they've started, yeah, it's been great. It's been great. And Gary Boyers has given everybody game time within that as, squ- as squad look pretty fit bar one or two well, a bit illness to to, to Rudden um, but and you know they the won the first two games well 3 nothing. one one against Hamilton one uh, down at Strand Rar um, he was able to give players lots of time on the park a few of the young lads have come through and have, have, have certainly been knocking at the door he was right to say it against Queen's Park it was a different sort of test and that's, mm. what, that's what we've got to see from Dundee at this point in time because every, you're not going to win every game 3 nothing, George you know, you need different tests. Um, I'm sure he wouldn't have been happy with Queen's Park getting a goal back, but they were able to he see... He said the, he was. They were able, able to see the... <laughs> and he seemed like he, yeah, he meant it. So. They were able to see the game out, which was which was a good thing. Um, what we need to see now is can Dundee have the goal go behind in a game? Uh, and you're not wanting to see that, but these things happen in yeah. football. You have to be able to respond. And all too often last season, when Dundee went behind in a game, they couldn't respond and ended up with nothing to show for it. But a lot of positives for Dundee so far. I know it's early days, um, but they're looking defensively. The young goalkeeper, Harry Sharp, has, has done... You know, we're mm-hmm. talking about Ericsson's coming and done 
nothing wrong. He's put up a real sort of show for the gloves. Obviously, uh, Adam Legsden isn't fit at this point in time. Ian Lawler will be number two, but he's got a job dislodging Harry Shad. Um, we've seen the introduction of, of younger lads like Lyle Cameron, who I thought his time was numbered at Dens, but yeah. he's coming in and showing he's got a, a trick or two up his sleeve. Um, and Josh Mulligan's come back and you know, as looks as though he's going to be a real star at, at that level, and other players as well. Um, you, you're thinking like it's a Paul McGowan. He's, you know, he's getting to the latter stages of his career. Um, Sean Byrne uh, in the midfield as well struggled a bit in the Premiership, but because they're dropping down a level, they're now finding that these players can actually be, you know, really, really valuable for mm. Dundee going forward. They do have the ability to to put their stamp on games. But the most encouraging thing for me is they now look as though they've got legs in the team as well. Dundee to me last season with Charlie, no disrespect, Charlie was fantastic for Dundee, Sean Byrne and Paul McGowan. It was too slow. Mm. It was far too slow. And, and you need to have you need to have a mixture of, of that. You need to have boys who can run as well. And we've now seen with, with Josh Mulligan coming back, we've seen Max Anderson, obviously, and the introduction of Ben Williamson from Rangers, who looks as though he covers the ground freely. Yeah, he's a good player. Um, so... Yeah, the, the the biggest problem that, I mean, everything seems to be rosy. The players, have, have you saw the pictures from Stenhouse Muir uh, the other night when, when they played Queen's Park? You know, they always, they always seem, they seem to be putting a smile on their face Aye. at this point in time. And that tells me that it's a happy camp. Mm. Now, things can change very quickly <laughs> in football. And it can change for a couple of reasons. It could change because you're losing games, but it could also change because you're left out of the team. And this is where Wiley's been able to give mm. everybody, you're all getting games, you're all getting games. He's going to have to go. Yeah. Well, this is my starting eleven. This is my bench. He's not going to start changing a winning team, George. No, no manager does. I mean, you might see guys having a wee, maybe injuries and coming, in, but boys are then going to have to fight for a play, their place in the team, and that's when you know. Mm. But that's that's the nature of football. And if you get in and get a chance and do well, then you'll be in the team. Players, I think they've got to watch out for themselves. Is Paul McMahon? I'm I'm concerned about him. He's not started quite as well as I expected. He, he, yeah, he's. He's, you still see he's, he's got the pace and the energy, mm. but there's not much coming off for him. He needs he needs to start producing either goals or assists mm. on a more regular uh, that basis. That was his strength, wasn't it? And also, they're still missing uh, that focal point that, which we spoke about last yeah. week. Alex Jakubiak is not an out-and-out -out striker. He does his best. I think he started quite well. He scored a few goals, but he's not that... I think they need a bullish-type striker up there, mm. which will, will help runners off him you know, and hopefully I, I think that we'd get a few of the goals as well because there's been a few chances that have gone I missed. It was good to see, not that they missed out on him, but it was good to see that we're actually trying to get the guy, uh, Adderley. Was it Tommy, yeah. Tommy Adderley? Tommy, yeah. yeah. Um, unfortunately, they missed out, but that's the type of striker they need, Alan. Yeah. They need somebody up there that, yeah. that can hold off big centre-halves. But so far, so good, I would say. And the, the benefit, I, th I always think of the, this kind of early season League Cup group as you can build up a bit of momentum uh, in terms of generally playing lower league teams and you can get some goals and get some confidence up. Dundee have actually had two championship teams in their mm -hmm. in their group. Uh, that sets them up well, doesn't it, Alan? You think for the season ahead? Yeah, I, I think Hamilton are going to really struggle, but I think Queen's Park will be tidy. Yeah, uh, I think they'll be a decent championship side and might actually upset a few. I think sides like Morton and Hamilton are going to really struggle for me. I think Queen's Park are going to be in that sort of mid-table, maybe even having aspirations to the to the top four with that momentum mm -hmm. they're carrying from last season. So that in particular, I was fascinated to see that as a test. And as we've touched upon, 
they had to come through a little bit of adversity. Granted, conceding a goal isn't quite the same as uh, Queen's Park taking the lead and giving them something really to think about, but it's still a little bit of adversity. It's still a little bit of... You had to see the game out. I was going to say, how many times have you seen a Dundee side seemingly cruising to victory, concede one goal, and all of a sudden it's wobbly? You know, it's nervous, it's wobbly. So that that was a different sort of test. I totally agree that I would like to see some proper pressure put on them mm. because I think that is the way they'll get over the ghosts of last season, if you like. You know, there was a lot of adversity last season, I think, coming from behind a couple of times, winning a couple of really big games. Perhaps getting over going behind at Dens Park, for example, would be a, a really big thing. So there's still certain things that, challenges, if you like, that, that Dundee need to come through, but it's been about as positive as one could possibly hope for and I, I totally agree on that feel good factor it does it certainly seems and obviously I'm looking at things from from slightly afar but it does seem that it is a really positive camp and I think a lot of that comes from just how you know not to to seem too negative but just how miserable it was latterly last <laughs> yeah. season and I think when that's so fresh in your mind when positives occur, they seem all the more positive. Mm. You know, it's you're you're still fresh in your mind how dismal things were just a couple of months ago. So the good times feel extra good. You might be in a division below, but this is what it should be about. Enjoying your football, enjoying yeah. your game. You've moved into a new training base as well, which, you know, makes a difference. That's the players seem to be loving that as well. So no, it's uh, there'll be bigger tests to come, but in in this, you know, <laughs> I look at Hibs crashing out the League Cup, for mm. example. You know, there are, it could, it's all fine and well saying, oh, well, it's only the Premier Sports Cup. If you start badly, it, it, can re- it, it really that. sets you up for a, a, a challenging start to the season. Mm. And there's a lot of Premiership clubs that have already endured some pretty chastening days at the office. St Mirren as well, another example. So don't take for granted just how um, positive and potentially important a bit of success in this, this stage of the competition can be. There's there's only four teams that are on a hundred percent record mm. uh, in the competition so far. I think Aberdeen, Inverness, and Arbroath, uh, and Dundee, obviously. Um, they avoid defeat against Forfar on Saturday, uh, and they're through into the knockout stages. But if they can, the top three teams. I was going to say seeding, isn't it? Get the get in the yeah. seeding spot, which gives you. I don't know if it gets you a home draw. I can't remember, but it definitely means you avoid any of the teams mm-hmm. that are in Europe. <clears throat> all the teams coming in, and that's not something that Dundee often do, is it? Where no, kind of give themselves the best chance no, of going you, far you in the expect, cup competition. I mean, no disrespect to this weekend's opponents, Forfar. You, you would expect them to do that to finish the section yeah. with, with twelve points, and and also because of the way they're playing. Mm-hmm. They look as though they're creating a lot of chances. They're quite tight at the back, you know. They've, they've got legs. Um, yeah, it's just it's just a, a really good place to be before the real bar comes out. Yeah. A week on Saturday when they play Partick Thistle <coughs> in the first game, I think it is at, at Dens. Um, so yeah, it's 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 all rosy in the garden for Dundee at this point in time. But uh, as I say, it's it's not always going to be like that. It's not always going to be like that. Um, and the managers alluded to that. And I'm keen. I'm not want to see them going behind against Forfar. I've got to say, but he's building something there from the ashes of last season. I think, and yeah. he's, he's doing a really good job. 
I, th- I find this competition really interesting in the sense that I think there's a general acceptance amongst most managers, whether they would admit it or not, that they do treat this as an extension of pre-season. You just Don't have, you have to, done that. Yeah, yeah you have to. You, you have to do that at this stage. But you then bear in mind, you know, say get through, seeded, gives you a decent tie in the last 16. It's you in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden... That's yeah. that's serious. That that was worth fighting for. So while it may seem slightly small fry at the moment, it might feel like an extension of preseason at the moment. If in a couple of months' time, Dundee United in the quarter, uh, sorry, Dundee are in the quarterfinal of a cup competition, happy days. It was you know yeah. it, it was definitely worth playing for. And it's been a long, long time since any Dundee manager won the first three games. It took me quite a while <laughs> to find it. Um, I, I was writing my my column. Uh, I'll show the glamour of sports journalism. I was sitting in my car in a pitch black housing estate in Stennis Muir after the, after the game on <laughs> Tuesday night because I'd actually forgotten to write my column during the day, um, writing up some stuff. And I, I, I just tried to have a quick look back to see how recent managers had done in terms of their first matches. And I couldn't find anybody who'd won three so I gave up and then I looked in the morning and it took me all the way back to 1937 so back beyond most recent managers James McPake and Neil McCann had a good start but he didn't win his first three uh Jockey Scott Benetti even past Shankly <laughs> all the way to pre-war uh it's it's early, obviously very early days but it's a nice who was it George Andy Cunningham well done Andy yeah Fantastic. He what, didn't win that many did, games after his first. He won his first six. What but. got to see? If only we could have appointed uh, Gary Boyer when we dispensed with James McPeak, we might, we might still have been in the top flight. <laughs> um, yeah, that's amazing. That's an amazing start. And well done for uh, digging the up shot. <laughs> it took a while. <laughs> some good sides have gone past in that know, time yeah. as well. That's the thing when you'd list in some of the, you know, some of the managers that you go back through. It's yeah. not like. It's not like we're going back to look for, with the greatest respect, Strunrar's first manager yeah, to, to win three in a row. You Absolutely. know, there's some, some good bosses yeah. and some good teams and in that t- time. T- tell me this. Did Andy win his fourth game in charge? He did. He won his first six. Oh, I spoil that a lot. So yeah. Gary's got a bit to go. <laughs> yeah. He, did, did, after, he didn't win that many after his first six matches. Is, but. is six in a row the biggest in history I Ooh, presume I don't know I didn't look past did you, did you just give up and <laughs> yeah, come back enough. far enough yeah <laughs> okay so I'll get I'll get stuck into the D archive and, and see mm. um, that'd be interesting if, if Gary Boyer's only four yeah. wins away because you would you would imagine he'll get number four against Forfar so that would leave him. It. So if if Andy it's Cunningham's run of six in a row is yeah. the biggest in history, then Gary Boyer would be two wins away from yeah. it. Um, Not bad. George is hoping for a draw somewhere. No. Before he has to dig into the archives. So he's really struggling for a talking head from 1937. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but we'll see how the, the, the current team get on on Saturday. Uh, four for been struggling a wee bit I think to get bodies in as, as a lot of teams in that kind of in League 2 and not being able to play trials and stuff I don't think helps uh, these teams uh, we'll see how they get on obviously a couple of former D's be back again Dundee seem to play four for every year at the moment uh, hmm. in this competition but be Gary Harkins and Gary Irvin back in the, in the dugout they'll be wanting to Put on a decent show there, but you'd expect Dundee in the way they're they're going, they should be too strong. Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, 
great to see Gary Harkins and, and Gary Evan back. I mean, I'm sure they'll get a fantastic reception. They were, they were great players for the club. Um, but Dundee should be should be too too strong. I mean, the way the way they're playing and creating chances and the way they're knocking the ball about. And I think um, I'll be another opportunity for uh, Gary Gary Boyer to to say at half time. Well, lots of Gary, I suppose. Yeah, so get, yeah. <laughs> get the right Gary. Um, but yeah, it'll be an opportunity for the manager to to get you know as five as a five substitutes you can use. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. I'm sure that they'll all be on the park. Again, as as they wind up their preparations for for the league league starting, um, hopefully Zach Grudden's obviously been ill, he, uh, but he's been he's back. Expected Is back, he back? Yeah. yeah, I think Zach will get certainly a, a half an hour at least, or he might stick him on for the start and just he looks on you've missed a bit and, and just go. And yeah, see he, he might do. He was um, doing a bit of running on Tuesday night before the game along with Lee Ashcroft, yeah. which is a good sign as well. Um, that has been the only thing that's been missing is, is finishing off. Chances. It's yeah. strange that winning three 0 in the first two games against well, there was Queens one, Park. There was one at last week when I mean Dundee, but they played the second half. They were much better in the second they were, half. They were actually, yeah. just to put in the chat, actually it came on rain at Strand right at half time, just <laughs> light rain, but it made a big difference to the park yeah. because the park yeah. was the park was really sticky. You know, it was a dry grass and the ball wasn't moving, but that just that wee bit of moisture allowed Dundee to start playing a bit more freely. And I think, to be fair, I think. Uh, Gary Boyer spoke to Finn Robertson at half time and said yeah, look sir I'm not wanting you yeah. to play, pass the ball side to side I know you can mm. do that be more forward thinking and he did that and they started getting down the lines but there was one chance and uh, there was a nice interplay between uh, McGowan and McGinn and McGowan played McGinn in yeah. and McGinn looked up and there was this chance for a shot of the goal but he was at the angle and he, and he just knocked it across face the goal to Alec Jakubiak he was right in front of the goal and he fluffed his lines you know, it was an open uh, goal yeah. And typical Paul McGowan started blasting Niall McGinn. <laughs> I say, why did you pass? You should have shot at the goal. But these chances have been, you know, they've been, they've been letting yeah. a few of them slip. Now, will you get away with it against Stranraer? And you might get away with it against Forfar. You know, you're not going to get away with it in that championship. You're going to have to take, the, these are guilt-edged chances. Yeah. And, and you, they had some at yeah. Queen's Park they could have put the and game that's, to that's maybe yeah. been letting them down. So it would be good to see Zach Rodden in the team. I think Zach Rodden's got goals. Yeah. At that level, I think he does. I think obviously he's, uh, when he gets his fitness up, and I think I'd like to see him getting a couple of goals just to get his confidence up as well. Yeah. I think once that happens, there'll be no stopping Zach Rodden. This will be incredibly frustrating for him as well because he'll be watching these chances and yeah. thinking, yeah. "I want to be in this team. I want to be on the end of these." Because from you know when he when he spoke to George, kind of excellent interview a couple of weeks ago, you could the hunger shone through the hunger and the self belief that mm -hmm. he is going to score goals yeah. for this team absolutely shone through. To, so that to then have a just sort of irritating, no, not even a serious thing, just a, a wee illness keeping you out of the team will be absolutely maddening for him. So I think when he does get back in the side, you're going to see a guy absolutely chomping at the bat. Yeah. I just hope he's not too yeah. uh, do you know that way yeah, that yeah. we've yeah. all seen it a million times yeah. when you're absolutely desperate, desperate to hit the ground running <laughs> you snatch at things you don't yeah. have quite have the same composure so I just hope he doesn't get too carried away with himself but you're going to get a, a guy that's really hungry to succeed mm -hmm. when he gets back in this team and I think this competition is always good for strikers I think because yeah. there are chances teams aren't quite up to up to speed I always felt that Lauren Shanklin scored about seven goals in the, this, <laughs> this group stage when he was at Air in United and stuff. I'm not um, supposed to be mentioning him on this podcast. <laughs> anyway, I mentioned him in quite, the Dundee quite enough. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think he'll 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 been gutted to to miss out the last couple because Kubiak's I think he's I think he's a really good player and got a couple of goals already scored in friendlies as well. 
I'm not I, sure how prolific he's going to be. I don't think he's natural. No. To me, he doesn't look a natural finisher. No. He has to work hard to get, get he's the been getting goals, which has. has been good. And, yeah. I, and I think he's been looking fit. The one man who's been looking a natural finisher, though, is Kami Kerr. He's a <laughs> uh, cracking header against Stranraer. I think the keeper probably feel, would feel like he, he could have done better. But his finish against Queen's Park was an absolute belter. Left foot in off the crossbar. First time he's ever scored two goals in one season for Dundee. Let's hope he can get three or four. I wouldn't put it past him scoring on Saturday. Yeah. Again, he's going up for corners, which is new for him. Obviously, being a fullback, generally, he just gets stuck back the pitch and, and told to sweep up any, anything that might come. Uh, but speaking to him after the game on, on Tuesday, Gary Bowyer just asked him, do you usually stay back? And mm-hmm. Cammy just said, yeah, but I want to go forward. And Gary Bowyer just simply said, on you go then. That's bonkers that I always find it amazing when a new manager comes in and whether it's finding a new position that suits a player Mm -hmm. or whether something as simple as that and you just think, no one ever asked him that before (laughs) or did did no one ever notice that he's handy in the air before Uh, or it's just, I find it mad and it's a great example of, you know, what a a fresh pair of eyes can do. I think, I mean, you see Cammy Kerr and, you know, he has filled out a a fair bit over the last three or four years. He's bulked up. He's always had a bit of pace. He attacks the ball well in the air. He, he wins. There's not many balls go up from other opposing teams that he doesn't get ahead on. And similarly, when they're playing out from the back, they tend to, they try, him, they try, tend to try and find, find him. The goalkeeper will try and play the, the, the goal kick to Kami Kerr to win the ball. So he wins mm-hmm. a fair, his fair share in the air, yeah. Um, but he hasn't been prolific for one reason or, <laughs> or another. So can I call him prolific with two? When it's Cammy Kerr, yeah, he can't. Okay. I was a wee bit, I was a wee bit <laughs> underwhelmed this morning. I'll be honest. I, I saw the headline, and when George came into the office, I said, "Okay, so how many has he actually got?" I mean, two, oh, two right, and two, okay. though. I mean, two, it's, it's right, unheard so, of. I was, uh, so I was slightly underwhelmed. I'll get excited when we hit three or four. I think. Okay. Well, one man that knows all about that would be in the opposing dugout. Gary Irvin had a real flurry of goals when he became the. The white cafe at Dundee, didn't he? Yeah, he had a spell. He did have a spell. I remember scoring a fantastic goal up at Petaudry, um against Aberdeen. Um, yeah, but he he, he was not like like getting forward and, and and having shots at the goal. And I think it should be, you know, goals shouldn't be restricted just to your front line. Aye. I think everybody in the team I always felt that you know, um, everybody we used to we used to when I played at North End and the manager would basically. Say that right, you're the right back in the centre half. We'd all have, you know, a, a mark to reach in terms of goals. It might only be a couple, mm-hmm. but it's a target. You know, mm-hmm. two, maybe maybe four for the centre half. So moving to midfield, you know, six, eight, 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 and up front you go into double figures. But at least it gives everybody a target. Yeah. A bit of an incentive. It's amazing what that does to your mindset when you're you're thinking I'm going to have a smack at a goal, no passing. I'm going to have a crack. Yeah. You know, and there are times Cami Kerr gets up the park and he's got a good right foot. And he maybe just threw a, a, a floated ball into the box. There's nothing wrong with having a blast at the goal. You mm-hmm. hit somebody going the opposite corner. Aye. You know, so, um, and he's been very much part of the, the attack. Jordan Marshall on the other side, the way they've been yeah. the, they've, they've been playing, knocking the ball about in the middle, and then they've gone for the back post yeah. quite often with the, yeah, the fullback coming that's in. That's right. I and mean, Jordan Marshall's got a very sweet left foot, and mm-hmm. we've seen that used. He's, he's, he's hit the back of the net a couple of times with, with that one. Um, but yeah, everybody should. I mean, as I say, the goal shouldn't just be restricted to two or three players on the park. That's the worst worst case scenario when when that happens. Because yeah. if you're waiting for your centre forward to get the goals every, and he might be scoring the first twelve games, and then suddenly he goes on a bad run of ten games, you're beat. Yeah, you're beat. You need as many players on that park scoring goals as possible. 
And they have been spreading them spreading them out, to be honest. Uh scored eight goals, they've had six different scorers. Um so we'll see um what happens on Saturday. Um I've got to say, just a caveat as you do like to see one man. Yeah. A Lauren Shanklin type, you know, because if that happens at Dundee... Apparently we're not allowed to mention him. Yeah, so. well, sorry. <laughs> you could have picked any centre forward. I, I, I didn't mention him, I said a Lauren Shanklin type. Somebody's <laughs> like him. But you know what I'm saying, you get somebody, I think if Dundee can find a boy that strikes 20-odd goals this season, hmm. you know, they're back in the Premiership at the end of the campaign. Well, yeah, well, I think Zach Rodden possibly could yeah. do that. Obviously, Gary Boyer... His main priority now is to get another striker. He, he, he made it quite clear, and he's, he's said to both Rodden and Yukubiak that we need more than just two. Mm. I'm not sure what Killian Sheridan was maybe thinking there, but I think that, I think that the problem we've got with Killian Sheridan, we don't know, what don't know what's coming back. State yeah. player, we're going to get back. We don't know as he go, as he going. He's not going to be completely matched for that. Would be ridiculous to think that. So it'll take a while for him to get up to speed, but you're always concerned when a collision injury. Yeah. It could be not a, a recurrence of the injury, but just niggles that's, that stop him, stop him training, and then derails it. His whole season is fragmented because he's, he never mm. really gets to the fitness level he, he needs to be at to score regular, regularly for Dundee. Beyond that striker that Dundee are looking for, I mean, we've discussed how much Dundee United need. Are Dundee in a pretty good place beyond that striker, or do, or do you expect? A, or is there another couple of positions they need to strengthen? I think they're looking okay. I, th- I think he'd maybe like to add maybe one or two more. He hasn't put a number on. Uh, he was kind of reticent to do that, basically saying that if, if I say I want four, and then we've got four, and then a fifth name yeah. pops up, then it looks kind of daft. But they maybe need a bit of cover at left back. I, w- I would say. Yeah. Right. Um, it's been an issue for a while. In terms of, I mean, I'm trying to think who Cammy here can nip across there. They've been using Josh Mulligan yeah. at right back. It's maybe not yeah. ideal. No, it's not. It's Tyler not French can play that, at the that right. Is, that is an area I think that they, they would probably be looking for, for cover. You're obviously, there's been good uh, vibes coming out about Ashcroft, I think, this week. George, yeah. you, you've mentioned him. I've, I've, you know, hopefully he will he will return. Jordan McGee, they're pretty well covered. I mean, McGee can st- step I, in at left I've, back I've, as well. I've got to say as well, they're going to have, I mean, I might be wrong, but. They're going to have the biggest squad in that league. There, ah, there must probably. be. There must be. I think there will be scope for some of the players to go out on, on loan. Mm. I think what Gary Boyer will do as well, you'll have a look at, you know, the first few games, the first few league games and assess it again. You know, and if he really thinks he desperately needs some, something else, he'll, he'll get something done before the transfer window. I think he's, they're crying out for a striker. So yeah. that's one area that are. But you'll have a look at this, use the, the, the transfer window and have a wee look and see, well, where we place? You'll see maybe two or three games. You'll see a game against, the game against Partick. Obviously, Wraith Rovers, I think, they've got our broth, yeah, I think, coming. I think so, yeah. so that's, you know, that's three, three of the Tough teams you would yeah. expect to give him a challenge. So you'll be able to see himself, you know, what's required. And, yeah. uh, you know, maybe the case that, we've seen the introduction with Sam Fisher at the back. He's been good. Hasn't He's put been really good, yeah. You know, so these boys, you're you not wanting to sort of stall their yeah. development by bringing another body in. I, I'm all for a case of bringing somebody in if they're going to add to your team, mm. not just as another number, because they've got good young lads here now who deserve a chance, I think. So, yeah, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I think all in all that they're in decent shape. Adding that extra kind of attacking option is, is, is the big thing. That'd be a priority, yeah. Um, be the press conference this afternoon after recording this so maybe find out how much closer they are uh, to bringing somebody in um, by the time we record next week hopefully 
Dundee might have another race in, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see and just say goodbye and thanks for listening. Tam might be back next week, but we have no idea what's going on. So, <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, as I say, thanks for listening and see you next week. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tilly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or go to thetilly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.